it is one of those things that it's a paradigm shift for all of us to say, I might not feel like enough, but God's word is riddled with people not feeling like they were enough. And he puts us, he has such intentionality to put us with people. And so for us to overcome that hurdle of someone else will probably do it, or I'm not enough to overcome those two hurdles and to show up and let the Holy Spirit engage in conversation with someone is such a beautiful thing. Welcome to Integrate Faith and Innovate. I'm Dr. Hannah Stoles, Director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation and Professor of Supply Chain Management. I'm here today with my co-host, Julia Oltmans, Assistant Vice President for HR and Employment Law at Zurich, North America. This is the podcast for conversations about the integration of faith with practical tips for faithful decision-making in everyday business. So welcome, Abigail, to Season 3, Episode 2. Abigail Doust is our guest today. She is author, speaker, coach, and trainer who's passionate about helping leaders get equipped to help others move forward in Christ. She's a certified professional life coach and an associate certified coach with an international with the International Coaching Federation. As a coach trainer, Abigail has a privilege of preparing and certifying leaders to use coaching skills in their spheres of influence. Abigail's focus on relationships and the work of coming alongside hurting people and stuck people has led to the development of customizable training for individuals, groups, churches, and organizations. In 2020, Abigail and her husband co-authored Authentic Conversations to equip Christians who want to have meaningful connections with others in their workplace, at church, with their community, and in the community, and their families. So Abigail, we're so excited to have you today. We've had two um, New York Times best-selling authors on this podcast before that sold over a million copies of their books. So I hope that's a prophetic indicator of what is going to happen yes. with the work that you have done. Let's um, do it. <laughs> let's, let's do this. Uh, Julia, would you mind jumping in and um, kind of setting us up to get to know Abigail a little bit? Yeah, so um, I had the pleasure of going through Abigail's training on the Authentic Conversations book and basically how to love others well and how to listen well. And I just thought, you know, I really wanted to just introduce her to more people in the marketplace, right? Because I thought it was so valuable and that what she teaches is so applicable to what, you know, to what we are grappling with in the marketplace in a couple of different ways, right? I, Hannah, you and I have talked before about um, the fact that I had the privilege of starting a Christian ERG with my coworkers at Zurich. And um, so in that employee resource group, uh, space for for Christian groups, um, you know, there's so many that uh, don't have this kind of training, right? And and the people are stepping up in their workplaces to lead Christian employee resource groups uh, with maybe no training, right? And so I I um, as I went through Abigail's training, I thought, wow, this would be so valuable for for the team that we work with at Zurich and at other companies. And then uh, you know, the other thing that struck me re really recently, Hannah was. Um, the Society for Human Resources Management has come out and talked about the fact that diversity training that many companies right, have made mandatory and have required these types of, of diversity training, it's really backfiring on organizations. And there actually is just such resistance to that type of training. And it's and instead of having the desired um, impact, it's actually causing people to be more divided and causing more polarization. And so I was really happy to see the Society for Human Resource Management acknowledge that because I, 
for those of us in the workplace, we are, you know, experiencing that we're seeing that real time. But to have that SHRM organization recognize that and, and actually they said that the biggest driver of progress and diversity, equity and inclusion is active listening. And for organizations to be actively listening to their employees, understanding, you know, what's on their minds and what they're experiencing. And again, I just thought um, that just fits perfectly with the training that Abigail does and that I had I had the you know, personal um, privilege to go through myself. Um, so I'm just glad for her to be here today and to be able to share more with all of us about that and how it relates to some of these challenges and these things that we're experiencing in the workplace right now. Yeah. Yes. Well, I am thrilled to be here for sure. And authentic conversations really started for me, my journey in the church, because we were broken Christians, I guess, humans, human beings um, going through hard times. And God used us to minister to people who were having hard times. And that could be feeling stuck in, in your circumstances. It could be pain, grief, um, change and transition. There are so many different seasons of life we all go through. And so I became very aware of the human condition and starting to love and minister to people who are hurting. And I realized that I was making a lot of mistakes. I was trying, I had good intentions of trying to care for people, but was sometimes falling into the trap of giving advice or um, kind of assuming what worked for me would work for them. And um, God just used coach training to transform us and his Holy Spirit kept shaping and molding us. And so we became equippers training other people to be the hands and feet of Christ with the more we learned from walking alongside hurting and stuck people. So um, it really birthed out of the church that I just, I, we are, there's so many hurting people. And unfortunately, just because you know, Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. In fact, Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble. And, you know, the last 20 months has certainly taught us that if we hadn't known it before that. Um, but I am super excited about how, what we are capable of as Christians and what we can do with just some simple skill sets. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Um, I love what you said about, you know, realizing what works for you, you know, doesn't always work for everybody else and that kind of advice and, and being in that posture of listening. You know, a lot of people that we encounter at work, um, maybe not as much for me at like Wheaton and Lipscomb, where a lot of people are people of faith, but a lot of people in our workplaces, like, you know, where Julia works at Zurich are never going to go to church, you know? And so we are that encounter that a lot of people will have that hopefully will testify in a beautiful way to Jesus. Um, how do you think this approach, you know, can benefit Christians that are in the marketplace and help them to be, you know, great and having conversations? Yeah, Hannah, I really appreciate you bringing up the fact that a lot of people won't go to church because that has been one of my incredible realizations as well, is that the the world is getting disillusioned with church. I mean, between people who have been hurt by church and the people who kind of stereotype what it means to be a Christian or the political division, there are a lot of people that are hesitant and cautious about church. So this brought, brings me to the conclusion that God intended a long time ago, I'm just a little slow, um, that we are God's plan A. Like he He made us to be part of his plan and his purpose to love other people. And so we be, get to be the hands and feet of Christ. We get to be that listening ear. We get to show compassion um, the way he did. And we get to do that in our homes, on our streets, in our communities, where we play, where we work. 
um, and definitely where we worship. I want those things to be used everywhere. But specifically to answer your question about the workplace, um, as Christians, we get to be light. And so part of that is just us shining and being who we are, being people of integrity, loving people well, you know, you're just kind of doing your own thing and shining your light. And I think that's really, really important and meaningful. But the next step for me after that is to purposely engage, be aware of the people around you and the opportunities God is giving you to be a person who notices people who can show compassion and show kindness to the hardship that we are all walking through. So to notice a coworker, who, and to realize maybe they're a little down or a little slow or came in late or whatever, and to care about their lives and to be naturally curious and build a relationship with them where you can be a safe person for them to say what is going on that's hard in their lives gives you a window and builds a bridge that when you're a person who cares genuinely for other people, then they wonder who, why do they Hmm, who are they? Why do they care about me so genuinely? And it also builds a platform for you to earn the trust to share the hope that you have, right? And in little glimpses when when it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I know Julia, you talked about the ERG training that you've kind of experienced at Zurich. Um, why don't you jump in and, and tell us a little bit? And I'd like love to hear from both you and Abigail. You know, what does that look like in terms of um, how does that training position you? What does it look like in the ERG spaces? Yeah, yeah, I was I um, have just been struck with the fact that, you know, so many people uh, who are stepping up to leadership in Christian ERGs, including myself. Right. We have never been trained um, to, uh, you know, we don't we don't have any kind of ministry training. Most of us, um, we've not been trained to. Uh, care, you know, for people like, you know, maybe we, we've, you know, we have assumed that the care pastor at our church, right, is, takes care of that. And and um, so that's not something we've stepped into, especially, again, if we are people who work in the marketplace, we kind of assume that our skill set is a different skill set, right? And there are other people who are more, um, you know, really talented and gifted, you know, in that area of caring for others. So, now that we have stepped up into leadership roles in a Christian ERG in our company, um, it's just really um, brought home the point to me that um, we, we may be out of our comfort zone in that area because employees are going to come to us and want to talk, you know, about tough things, at, you know, come to us and ask if we can pray for them or if they can share something that's going on. And um, that may be really, again, out of our comfort zone, not something that we've done before. And not something that our church, you know, our churches have trained us to do. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, the churches aren't necessarily noticing that. That's across the board. They're not preparing us really super well to shine in our homes either, I would just like to say, although we do have marriage and parenting classes and so forth. Um, it is one of those things that it's a paradigm shift for all of us to say, I might not feel like enough, but God's word is riddled with people not feeling like they were enough. And he puts us, he has such intentionality to put us with people. And so for us to overcome that hurdle of someone else will probably do it, or I'm not enough to overcome those two hurdles and to show up and let the Holy Spirit engage in conversation with someone is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Wow. What are some of the, I'm really intrigued without, you know, giving it away, you know, um, uh, before the before you sell the training, <laughs> what are some of the main skills that are really pivotal for people, you know, like Julie and myself to be successful in, in engaging people and um, promoting inclusion? Um, what are some of the skills that you really want to see people grow in? 
Yeah. Do you want me to share it, Julia? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, so a few things I'm just going to hit on because they're not magic. They're not, you know, in some ways it's like, yeah, Abigail, I'm sure. So I don't <laughs> mind saying some of the things it's really not, there are simple things. What's hard is actually implementing it. So what I do is come alongside people and help them actually get some traction with it. But first and foremost, praying to partner with God, trusting him that he has prepared good works for you to do, prepared people for you to talk with and so forth, but also to ask powerful questions. So sometimes we think questions are invasive or it's too personal, but actually people want to be known. They want to be loved and to be known. Now, not everybody. There are certainly those people in your office that are like, don't talk to me. I'm working, but I'm talking about the relational side. Um, so learning how to ask good questions that open people up, questions that start with what and how, for example, are a beautiful way to be open-ended versus closed questions. Like, did you have a good weekend is different than, hey, how was your weekend? Or tell me about your weekend. What a beautiful way to just kind of open that up. We also talk about listening well, intuitively listening, looking even at their body language and what they're not saying. And we talk about not trying to fix it which is so challenging because when someone has some sort of issue or problem or their child has a problem or whatever it is, our heart is to say, oh, I've got an idea or this worked for me or I know someone who got diagnosed with that. Let me connect you with them. And really what people want is just someone to listen and empathize. I'm so sorry. That sounds really hard. And that's what builds bridges. And so I think building relationships is really key and it's a lost art. It's like, we don't know how to, and COVID hurt it even more. We don't know how to have relationships and conversations. So that's a little sampling of it. And then I, I also think that building that bridge to getting to a place where you can ask about spiritual issues, where you can touch on spiritual topics and share a little bit of your spiritual story is certainly the master level of that kind of thing. But let's start with just listening and caring genuinely. Yeah, that's um, listening is it is a discipline, isn't it? It's something that we have to practice to do well. And it's it is hard to listen and hear the other person and not just be thinking about what can I say, uh, which is it's a, it's a definitely a challenge. So I'd be interested to hear, Julia, about um, how you've engaged with Abigail and, you know, kind of started doing some training at Zurich and a little bit about your experiences. And then if, you know, um, you can ask follow-up questions because we have the teacher out of class. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, about you know what 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 the takeaways are for the resource group at Zurich and um, kind of some of your hopes and goals in going through this process. Yeah, so we uh, we are planning to have the the leaders who have stepped up to be leaders in our Christian ERG at Zurich. We're planning to have them go through um, a, a condensed version of of Abigail's training because her. Her, you know, real training is is multiple weeks long, and and um, so we're we're really working on making it, um, you know, easy, accessible, right, for those in the middle of their workday, right, to be able to get some of this training. Um, and then we've talked to other uh, leaders of other Christian ERGs at other companies and shared with them, and they have um, just like wholeheartedly agreed, right, that this is really an area of need, that this is it's a gap, it's something, right, that. Um, most of the leaders who are in their Christian ERGs um, have not been trained to do this well and um, that, you know, they really think this would benefit them so, so much. So we're really going to, um, you know, from from the Zurich training, um, you know, take that feedback on, um, you know, uh, you know, how long it was and and and, you know, the setup and, and things like that. 
and then um, be able to, to share that with other Christian ERGs at other companies. And then the other, you know, great thing that that I have, um, you know, realized in working with Abigail is uh, just how what she's teaching is so applicable to the broader diversity and inclusion conversation, right? And, um, you know, beyond just equipping our Christian ERGs to, to really love others well in the workplace, um, in this broader diversity and equity and inclusion work that's happening in most every company, um, you know, how can we uh, be trained in a different way that um, we, we just are building empathy for others, right? And we're, and we're wanting to learn about other people's perspectives and, and try to have a greater understanding because, you know, as we talked about um, a few minutes ago, Unfortunately, right, the diversity training that has been in existence and inclusion training and unconscious bias training, um, you know, it, it hasn't maybe taught the skills and the understand, you know, the, the ability to gain understanding of other people's perspectives. Um, it's really approached in a different way. And I think that is uh, really how we can um, create build bridges, as, as Abigail said, and how we can kind of break down some of the divisions and barriers that exist in our organizations and really advance diversity and inclusion is by building that um, that empathy, building that understanding of other people's perspectives. And Abigail, I know you can talk even more about kind of your perspective on that and how your training does that. But um, I just, yeah, would would you know say I, I see so much value, you know, in in that. And um, again, would be happy for you to share Abigail more on the specifics. Yeah, I just applaud companies who are trying to have these courageous conversations, who are wanting to get into the hotter topics and um, not just ignore them because ignoring it isn't going to get us anywhere. But I think that listening is a muscle, like Hannah said, that it just uh, it takes a long time for us to get better and better at listening. So we have to be incredibly intentional with it. And some of the things we're falling into, like traps of bad habits, we don't even realize we're doing. So we don't know that some of our wording or some of our body language is rude. We don't realize that some of the responses we have when we should be listening, instead we say something that that's actually shutting down trust. Um, so one of the tools I have is the levels of communication, which was at first published in John McDowell's book, Why Am I Afraid to Tell You Who I Am? And it's about safety and trust. And in a way, it's similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you're familiar with that, that children need to be fed and feel safe before they can learn. Um, we all need to, at work, feel safe with the conversation. We need to be safe with the people around us, the things they're saying and doing. And if we can feel safe, then we can try to say more things. And so if we listen with those levels in mind, and if we speak with those levels in mind, I think we can make a lot of progress. And ultimately it really is about empathy, Julia, you're right. The, the true listening and putting yourself in someone else's shoes to at least for a moment, stand and see their perspective. Because it's less likely that someone's wrong and someone's right and more likely that we just see things really differently. So how much more effective can we be if we first just take some time to really stand where you're standing and understand what you see? I mean, it's something silly like a water bottle. I could talk to you all day about how there is a UPC code on this bottle and you could tell me all day that I'm wrong and I will probably get really angry that you are not noticing this. And I am seeing it. I'm not crazy. I'm seeing a UPC, but it's like this where the tension rises with what is true and actually 
a lot of times there's truth on both sides. I don't mean biblical truth, but I mean a person's perspective is valuable and that's the way you gain respect. And I, I love that you mentioned safety, um, Abigail, because I know Hannah and I have had this conversation about the concept of like psychological safety in a workplace. And, um, you know, I, there are studies that talk about innovation and the, the organizations that create a place where innovation can really happen are those where people have that safety to raise ideas and to maybe um, come up with something that might be a little risky for the organization, right? But, or it's something completely new. They have to have the safety to, to, to feel comfortable sharing those. And that's actually, those are the organizations that are the most innovative and are able to, to really embark on something that's completely new to their market, you know, to their industry. Um, but that safety and that trust, you know, unfortunately, that is um, a, a troubling area for a lot of organizations to have an environment where people feel that safety and trust. It, it doesn't happen naturally. It goes against our flesh. It goes against the natural environment. It's going to have to be intentional. And a lot of people don't know how to do it. So there has to be training on how to do this because it's just not we're just not going to fall into it. We have to uh, learn what that looks like and practice it. And get good at it because otherwise Christians are not a part of the solution. Christians are missing opportunities and making things worse in some ways inadvertently without even knowing that they're doing it. And it's, it's just, it can be avoided. Let's get better. So I know that you focus in on teaching people how to have these conversations and training people how to be courageous and authentic. Um, I'm, have you had uh, situations and I know I'm going a little off script on the questions here where it goes, because I think we've all we've all experienced it in some case where you have a group, you get together, you have a conversation, it goes really bad and people are hurt and people are frustrated. How do you come back from that when you've tried and failed? And how do you have the courageous second conversation when the first one didn't go well? Do you have some tips? Oh like, how do we come back? <laughs> that is such a raw, vulnerable question, Hannah. Thank you. That happens again and again. And I think um, so often we try to either solve the problem in the moment and dig ourselves right, dig ourselves out right then. Like you just wait right there. We're going to fix this right now. Or we run away from it and never come back because either we're, you know, feeling shame or we're embarrassed or uh, we don't know how. But I think one thing is to go ahead and let it be walk away as, as best you can walk away and let the emotions cool down on both sides because no one's going to solve anything when there's high emotion. And then I would ask for time, ask for scheduled time depending on your environment, how formal that time is, but it could just be like, Hey, can we meet in the break room uh, and have coffee at 10 or whatever time and own your part. So go into that conversation where it's scheduled, where you're not blindsiding them and lead with, I'm so sorry that I did this, or I want to own that I was really off base when I did this, because when you start the conversation, owning your part, even if only 30% of it was your fault. Maybe 70% it was theirs and they really did something horrible. You really benefit from leading with what you can own. It, it just kind of melts the other person. It softens the conversation. It sets it up for them to be able to say, hey, well, I own this part. I'm really sorry that I did that. Um, so I think that's really important. And I think it's being it's important to be tenacious that the relationship matters and to say you're a person, you matter, you matter to me. I want to make I want to continue to move forward with this. 
And good news, there is ability to move forward in relationships. And oftentimes relationships are stronger when they've overcome something like this, when they've been able to earn back the trust and forgive and move forward. It, um, my husband broke a bone in his foot, the tiniest bone in your whole body. And that's when I learned that the doctor said after that healed, you're not likely to break this bone again because when it heals, it's stronger. And I didn't know that because that's not my background. But now I can apply that to relationships. I really believe people who've been through hard things and emotionally, mentally recover, relationally recover, they are stronger. And I think Christ's love shines brighter when we pursue people. And it's really not okay with me that I hurt you and you don't know that I regret that. And I get teary because this is my passion. I want people to be reconciled. I want there to be peace. I want Christians to show love. So yes, that's those are a couple tips. Well, and we, we've been talking primarily about individual sort of one-on-one -on -one relationships, right? But, um, you know, we've mentioned a little bit the term like courageous conversations because I am seeing a lot of companies wanting, especially after the events of 2020, they wanted to bring a lot of their employees together or big groups, you know, together to have a difficult conversation about racial injustice or, you know, equality or equity or something along those lines. And um, and so the, there are interesting dynamics there too, right? To be able to have a difficult conversation, a courageous conversation in a group setting. Um, but I, at least what I've seen, and I, you know, would, would love your perspective on this, Abigail, that um, an organization by being willing to have that conversation, right? And setting up a, a forum to do that is already taking a step in terms of trying to establish trust and show that they, you know, care about that relationships with their employees, right? They, they're, by even setting up that event, um, they're saying, I care to listen to you. You know, I care to let you have a chance to have your voice heard um, so that I can try to understand better, right? Because many organizations, um, you know, there were so, so many learnings, right, that needed to happen and, and so many um, times of just trying to increase our understanding of what people were feeling last year, right? So, I, yeah, how, what do you think about those group kind of environments and, and that listening, you know, to a larger group on a difficult subject like that? I think it's very important and I'm so glad they're doing it. I do think it's challenging um, to do those. So I, I know that there's hesitation when someone is going to launch into something like that. It almost feels like a grenade that could blow at any time. Um, but I think that it's really good because you're model, you're opening up the dialogue and you're modeling for all the people who are there listening, what's going on. I think one of the things I'd like to see those groups do is to make sure they're dividing the topic into two pieces if the second part can even happen. Because um, sometimes we come ready to talk about the issues and hear each other well, but also solve a problem. And I don't believe you can effectively hear each other and solve a problem in the same meeting. Most of the time, there's great benefit to saying, today we're going to hear each other. We're gonna use our active listening. We're gonna say, even if it sounds cheesy, so what I hear you saying is this, and you're going to validate that you're listening, that you're absorbing what they're saying and to really get to a place where you understand each other's perspectives and then walk away and take some deep breaths um, because that's huge. And you should marinate on what you understood about that other perspective. Um, 
and continue to become uh, loosened from uh, the entrenchment you might have had in your own position and then come back and do a quick recap of what you guys heard each other say and then move forward. What can we do about this? How can we make it better? I really think it's two different conversations. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah. What do you think? Um, and the, the need for facilitation by having somebody that's skilled, helping kind of guide and direct these conversations rather than just sitting around the table and jumping in. <laughs> yes, yes. Mediators have really good training in listening and in managing conversation. And it's great for being able to kind of table something that's come up that's not on the, the point, not on the agenda of the day. It's a great way to keep emotions calm. I oftentimes tell people in conflict um, in my position in church or my position in business to that I'll come in. You know, even in a casual kind of way, I don't have to um, act like a lawyer and go one to the other. I can just sit there silently until things go poorly, or I can manage the whole conversation in a structured way. And there's such value to having that objective person, but also a trained person who is able to mediate with compassion and help people really get to the goal that they're going for. Because uh, their goal, if their goal is listening and understanding and making something better, they're probably going to need a little bit of help. And I think it's great to bring someone in who knows how to do that. And I love that from the legal perspective. So I'll just say, right, you know, your lawyers, your organization's <laughs> lawyers are going to be happy, you know, that somebody is there who can guide the conversation if that needs to happen and who can, um, you know, uh, pause or like you said, table something that maybe is more appropriate to be handled in a, in a separate one-on-one, -on -one, you know, conversation, right. Or referred to your HR department or what have you. Yeah. From the legal perspective, I love having somebody who can help guide that because, you know, we always worry, yeah, that it's, it's going to get out of hand or that things are going to be said um, that will be pain, too painful and too damaging to, you know, the environment. Yes, I'm, I'm sure that you would feel that way. That's good. I also just, that made me think I wanted to add that I know some mediators focus on conflict mediation and maybe they're a little bit more linear, but because I'm a relational mediator, I think some of the most beautiful breakthroughs come with mediation because I might, someone might answer a question to me and I say, oh, that's powerful. Will you turn to your business partner and tell her how you feel about this? And then there's breakthrough and that person's crying or that person's like, oh, that's what I need to hear you say. And when you can mediate people toward each other, it's not as much talking to me, but let me help you make a connection here. Let me help you make eye contact, find that place of common ground or forgiveness or whatever it is. And I love when that light bulb goes off and they realize, oh, I misunderstood what you said 10 months ago. And I've been resentful of you ever since. And now I understand what you meant by that genuinely meant by that was this other thing. And they're just such light bulbs, light bulb moments that um, really change the trajectory of relationships and therefore the entire environment. I'd love to hear, we heard a little bit when we started off about what motivated you to write the book, Authentic Conversations. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey and um, maybe scripture and, and your experiences that have um, kind of shaped your journey into in becoming a mediator and um, you know, what's drawn you into this space in particular? Well, I think really it probably started with my marriage 
falling apart. Um, and I say, and it didn't. So that's the praise God. I've been married 24 years, but when we were having marriage trouble, there weren't people coming alongside us very well, helping us. And so I felt like I was kind of drowning and that changed my life because I became a uh, sponge when God put us back together. Literally, I feel like it was Humpty Dumpty and God put us back together. My husband and I both became sponges for everything we could read from secular psychology to of relationship to Christian marriage books. And uh, that really is what set us going because we started to understand things. And he's a communication major too. I was a communications education major. And so of all people, we felt like we got this communication thing and three years in we're tanked because of our lack of knowledge of how to have a healthy relationship. And so we did marriage work for a number of years inside the church. And then slowly God started showing us that the things we were doing in marriage applied almost across the board, you know, except like take sex out of it. Um, everything else was so true in other relationships as well. So God really brought in our perspective and we started just becoming the relationship experts, I guess you could say that we were coming alongside lots of different kinds of people. And somewhere in the middle of that was really clear that although we were passionate about coming alongside and helping individuals, we really, our skill set was best in equipping and multiplying. And our mission is to have more couches in more places. And what I mean by that is more safe people, more people willing to say, hey, let's talk this out or let's uh, let me help you overcome. Let me just listen to you, whatever it means. And so that's kind of been the journey as far as um, seeing the pain and it started with my own pain but really loving to come alongside people. So I inadvertently became a relationship expert and I'm very grateful for it. And I think one of the things that God has taught me is that really just having that heart of being surrendered to him and being surrendered to the Holy Spirit and to recognize, you know, that the ground is level at the foot of the cross and all people, God, God died, sent his son for all people. And so what that means is uh, a heart of compassion. So one of my favorite verses, well, first of all, love the Lord, your God and love others is huge. And I think it's central to the Bible because we need God's help to do this. So if you're in the workplace and you're like, yo, Abigail, I'm inspired. I'm going to go love people. Well, I'll tell you this. You better love God first. You better ask him for the strength to do that. Lean into him because you cannot do this on your own. And I don't want you to do this on your own. So don't do that. Um, but Colossians 3.12 is one of my favorite verses. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and humility. And that verse goes on gentleness. Um, I believe that we need to trust the Holy Spirit so that we can put on these things and be these things in the workplace and in our homes and communities and churches. And it's an intentional choice to surrender to God every day, every hour. Well, and you said something there that reminded me, Abigail. I mean, one of the things that I have just felt over these last couple of years is that I haven't seen our churches doing a great job of helping us to, you know, what does discipleship look like, right? And training, uh, you know, us as church members, how do we disciple others? And then what does that look like in the workplace, right? And so, um, you know, things like your training and other things that now I've had a chance to to go through, you know, are helping me get, you know, get there where I feel like I know what it looks like to um, disciple others and, you know, in my workplace and the Christians, right, that are in our Christian ERG and what have you. But um, it does feel like there's been a lack of that kind of training, um, at least in my experience. 
Yeah, I think that we do need training in it. And it's a privilege. Like it, it, I'm so grateful to God that he would let me be part of the solution like that. I do think that it's something we're capable of doing. We just need to be intentional to try it out for sure. Because as human beings, this is just a lacking issue. We don't know really how to love each other well. So this is across the board. And honestly, I want to see the Christians win the race. I want to see the Christians be better at loving people. I want to see them being better at soup kitchens and building houses too. But I want to see Christians doing better at conversation. Yeah, I love this. This is um, really inspired me. We love to to finish as we wrap up with thinking about practical things we can do tomorrow and takeaways. And um, I'll, I'll kind of start us off and then Julia and then Abigail, you can tell our listeners and our audience, like, what would you tell them to do? But um, it just made me realize we kind of take it for granted or we all know the verses love God and love our neighbor. And sometimes we forget that love is active and it's really hard to love people you don't know. And it's hard to love people you're not in conversation with. And so I'm really inspired that if I'm going to really love people, A, I need to own it when I mess it up. <laughs> And B, I need to be really listening to understand and see them and that people around me should feel heard because that's a, a huge expression of our love. So I'm I'm going to try tomorrow to listen <laughs> and to be better at that. I like to talk, but I'm going to work really hard at, at listening and just loving people by hearing. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really beautiful. thank you for that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I would say my takeaway is very similar to that. I mean, I'm a very like task oriented person, right? When you do those assessments that tell you whether you're relationship oriented or task driven, I am definitely in the task driven side. And so your point is really well taken, Abigail, that sometimes I think of the love others part of the Bible as, yeah, am I, am I going to do some kind of service opportunity, right? Am I going on a mission, you know, um, a trip or a mission activity and how am I loving others in that way? And because I'm so task driven, how many days do I go about my day and I haven't been intentional about just loving the people that I interact with, you know, in every moment and every hour. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's a really important point. Um, because uh, obviously our our work days are busy, right? We can be, you know, inundated with emails and calls and all these things. And yet each one of those interactions with another person is probably our best chance, right? Of uh, building that trust, building, uh, you know, a connection that might lead to us being able to share the hope that we have in Jesus, right? And so if we, if we miss those opportunities or we rush past them in our busy day, how how much opportunity are we wasting that God's given us? Yep, that's so good. Yeah, that would be my first tip is partner with God. Tomorrow on your way to work or right now as you're listening to this, just say, God, will you open my eyes to the opportunities you're giving me? Help me to overcome my personality, my flesh, and my own agenda, and let it be all about you. Yeah. Wow. Um, that is almost a prayer of takeaway. And <laughs> I love that. Um, and actually, as we as we do close, thank you again, Abigail um, Dowest, for joining us. It's been so great to have this conversation with you. And um, would you be willing just to pray for us, pray for our, our listeners that we can do just that. We can lay down our flesh and our ourselves to be more like Jesus, hopefully tomorrow. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Let's pray. Lord God, we do praise you. Thank you so much for letting us be a part of your plan, that you would draw us into relationship with yourself and love us so much that we just melt into you. And thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for 
for giving us the opportunity to walk with you and to trust you with the hard things that we walk through in our lives. And I just pray for everyone listening to this, that you would comfort them in any pains they're experiencing, but also challenge them and help them get excited about who they are in you and how you can use them in all kinds of different opportunities, that you will give them the words, that you will give them the compassion, that you will help make a connection. I pray that you would help them to sort through their thoughts um, where they might have anger or angst with certain coworkers. I pray that you would soften their hearts, that they would surrender those things to you and acknowledge any kind of sin they're holding on to with that. Would you relationally launch them forward in ways that honor you? Would you help them to listen in ways that bring you glory? Lord, we trust you. Help us trust you more. Lord, would you continue to work in our lives and help us um, bring you glory? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for having me. What a joy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, I want to make sure people know, like Abigail's website is equippingforimpact.com. So equipping for impact. If you want to find out more about her training and um, her facilitation and mediation and all the services, right, that she um, can bring to your organization. Like I said, we're just so glad that we partnered with her at Zurich and, and excited about what that's going to lead to for other organizations that go through her training. Yeah. And if you, um, I think if you go to equipping for impact, you can save $5 and on authentic conversions book with the code faith at work. Is that right, Abigail? That's right. Yeah. Okay. So equipping for impact.com, um, go ahead and, and get your $5 discount on an authentic conversion conversation, authentic conversions, authentic conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> they right. may lead to conversions too. those conversations, That's right? right? <laughs> Amen. It's, it's, mm -hmm. That I was a that, that was a prophetic word, I think, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you um, so much again, Abigail, for joining us. Thank you, Julia, for co-hosting with me. Um, I hope if you're listening, you'll join us again soon for Integrate Faith and Innovate, a podcast with practical tips for faithful decision making in everyday business. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.